I've had a lot of topics rolling around here about the topics. They kind of come up and then they drift off. And the one that one that keeps coming back is another uh, uh, normalized talk. Another way of I've been thinking about how uh, quite often, uh, as I think the, the last one, maybe the first one, it was normalized meditation. Normalize that. So make it so that you don't even think of that. You don't, you don't really think it of some special thing that you're doing. It's just it's just part of your an integral part of your whole day. That's something that you you do. You may even forget that you do that instead of chastising yourself about it. Please don't do that. Miss med stop meditating. Do something else. And then because if the awareness has been, you've been strengthening the awareness, then the awareness will will see that. Like I have sometimes said, I've said many years ago, 20 years ago, I was telling people, students of mine who were, and I was involved more in the Shambhala, Mandala, normalize. Uh, the idea of normalizing something is to, it's just to make it something that's, and that normalization may show up as not meditating. You need to reflect on this. It's not something, it's not a few concepts here I'm stringing together that you're going to be able to munch on. It's, you might have to spend some time with those because they're what? They're so polarized. In, our, in, in the ego mind, everything is polarized. In the awakened mind, there isn't anything. It's just a way of talking about it. So you'll, you might recognize it if it shows up instead of running off to the psychiatrist. So normalize perception only. Just bring, understand that concept, that idea of just the perception. And the way I've been talking about this, and there, maybe there are other ways, maybe other ways that you can think about it that might, uh, if you understand the basic idea of Yogacara or Vijnapti Matra is the fancy Sanskrit term coming out of uh, early part of the last millennium with uh, all the sutras, Sandhya Machana Sutra, Lamatara Sutra, even the Vimalakirti Nirdesa Sutra is also part of that. Um, so normalize that. So first, if we find the perception, and a simple way to do it is that with the, the of all the sense deals, the one that is that is obviously separating is a, a, a sense of sight. That's the one that. Is very convincing. I'm here, and everything I see is over there, even if it's all of my hand. It's over. It's away. And the other senses are more intimate. So, you know, sense of taste is very uh, extremely intimate. There's not even. There's just a few concepts that we can even append. Those like sweet, sour, uh, uh, pungent, so on. And if we taste something, uh, if we taste something that we've never tasted before. We we notice that the sense of taste is very, very vast. Here we have these uh, nerve endings, taste buds, as they call them, and yet we can discriminate. There's little tiny activities that are, that are not something you're, you're doing. It is something that is happening to you. And what we do is look at the you feeling or the me feeling that it's happening to, and then look at the projection of an object that we're creating that we are tasting that. So I'm just using that to start with that one to say that that's probably a difficult one that would be for me, but for some people that may be your entrance to uh, the open way. That may be your entrance, your real entrance to the Mahayana. But the one I use, since I happen to be extremely visual, would be uh, smell. <laughs> so I'm saying that, I'm saying, uh, 
there's something coined, uh, a phrase uh, coined by the, the writer back in the 60s or 50s. Uh, uh, he wrote a book called Love's Body, and one of the phrases that came out of that that I always remembered, even when I read it way back then, was uh, polymorphous perverse. Uh, and it's a, a, just a, an intention getter. It's a way of saying, well, what does that mean? It means that the, the senses are intermingling with each other, that they, they seem separated, and we use that in order to navigate, to get ahead, to get not fall behind. That the senses are, you can actually... Bring, uh, for instance, uh, the one I'm thinking of is the, the, text, the word texture. You can find that the word texture applies to visual, it applies to taste, it can, it can apply to smell, and it certainly applies to emotions or thoughts. The texture, they're rough, they're, they're rambling. They're, they're, so this is a way to go into, uh, to use this, but, but not to cling to this. So um, seeing that something is over there, I'm looking here at a, a wall hanging calligraphy across the vendo, and then I can impute a, 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 an observer of that, of that wall hanging. But if you practice, if you, if you practice, if you come bring the awareness to just the perception of that, you will not find a credential there. So you're not going to find somebody in, in the, all, in the perception realm that's saying, I think he's coming. I think she's coming. Here she comes. Oh, she's got it. That's it. You got it. No, I'm not going to have it. There's nobody going to be there to tell you. Uh, in fact, and in fiction, what you probably are going to run into is not much space. The very nature of perception only is, is a very nature of Vijnapti Matra, of Yogacara, of uh, uh, as it is, of not separate, of suchness is not much, empty, open. But that doesn't mean nothing is there. <clears throat> so by normalizing, I am saying, I'm suggesting that not only on the cushion where you can just, just observe, that's what you're doing there, you're normalizing, you're sitting down, you're just going to observe. Whatever arises is exactly what you need to see. Not, not necessarily the content, but don't be too bothered by the content. The content shows up, content goes away. The light, as it is some, in metaphors, sometimes use the, the lamp uh, and the projector uh, is not concerned with what it's projecting. It's not concerned with the, with the light that ra is radiating out and what kind of, uh, in, in the old days, the, the, the 16 millimeter, 8 millimeter uh, film that light would go through and take that image up to a screen and then it would broken down in a little uh, um, frames, so many frames per second, making it appear like there's something in motion. So what you can do uh, is if you're, uh, let's say you're auditory, which some people are in here, more auditory say than visual, it doesn't mean they can't see, it means that the, they, they get more, uh, there's a deeper, more textured uh, resonance happening in that area. Uh, possibly, I don't know, but possibly these are people who are really involved in, in taste or in food or in uh, working with that kind of a uh, situation, cooking, uh, there may be something happening with them that 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 they could. Well, this would really work in that area for them. For me, if I'm looking at say the the calligraphy, and I'm there's kind of an automatic. It's over there. That's the calligraphy, and and then then if I if I do anything with that, uh, it might uh, in terms of uh, excuse me, in terms of moving from what is seen into what I think about what is seen, uh, then we're, we're going into either uh, uh, imputation on the calligraphy, it's not a very good calligraphy, 
or it's hanging too high, it's hanging too low, there's too much brown, there's too much black. Uh, who the hell did that? That kind of thing. Um, the very, you know, mundane things. And then, or it might go back on, I could do that, or, uh, you know, or, or what, what, some kind of subjectivity about that. I don't really understand what, why that's shaped that way, or uh, possibly you might have uh, other ideas about that. So what, what am I saying? I'm saying, insofar as you can, remain in perception only, which is what? Color, shape, texture, and that, ha that applies to the mind also. Notice the texture of, of thought, as thoughts arise. See if you can see the space between the thoughts. The thoughts are thoughts. They might be happy thoughts, sad thoughts, neutral thoughts, and all of the nuances. So insofar as you can, normalize, find it, find the perception only, which you won't find anything. That not finding is finding. If you find an object and if you find a subject, uh, you, you need to back up or go forward. You need to just move it. You can use that spatial referent. As a, as a metaphor for moving. It isn't exactly like that, but it might help you to see that it's somewhere where nothing is happening in between you and what you're observing, you and what you're smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, thinking. It's just that non-differentiation. This is why I've said in the sutras, uh, picking and choosing, I think it's in the sense in Ming, picking and choosing is a disease of the mind. Whereas it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a dis-ease, dis-ease. It's it, it, causes the mind to be erratic and, and grasping and rejecting and, and little minor <clears throat> minor and major skirmishes and warfare and so on going on. So what you can do is, uh, I'll just give some real obvious examples. If when you, you can practice uh, normalizing that so that you, you are more in a state of uh, equilibrium that is a kind of not knowing. I'm not saying you're ignoring anything. You may be closer to seeing what is happening than any other time when when we get clouded over by ideas about ourselves, we, we shrink back into the concept. There's some part, little part, a little section, it's about three, three or four millimeters long, and it's called uh, the part of my awareness that still gets me to keep from running into walls. There's just a little bit, it's like uh, the feeling of what you can drive a car, it's like in a daydream about your trip to the Bahamas, or your trip to Puerto Rico if you're going down there to help people. But you're, but that little bit of a, the, the consciousness, the awareness, does not belong to anyone. And it's incredibly powerful in being able to go everywhere and assume any identity. When this gets confused, we have schizophrenia. But when this is understood for what it actually is, we have awakening. That's why it's called the crazy wisdom form of the Buddhas of the three times. Fancy way of saying, wake up. You can do this. I want you to do this. This is not a club to join. There's nothing to believe here. I wear this because it provides a context whereby I can talk about something that really transcends Buddhism, transcends everything. It transcends every belief system, every form. We do forms so that we can understand there are no forms. If you can't find, you can't find a practice that is actually going to let you go, that's going to say, go. Even Trump Rinpoche said, you need the teacher so you can leave the teacher. It's not a club, even though sometimes it looks like it. But you know, it needs to look like it so other people can be welcomed on board this Galactica. Uh, uh, yes? Um, are the content, or the contents of the form important? Less and less and less. A little bit at first, because you can't, uh, we're not talking about ignoring the content. 
we're talking about emphasizing just the perception of it. So, and you'll notice that happening. You'll notice you'll, as you normalize perception, perception, it's like as it is, it's just this, just this. Or in the uh, ancient uh, Hindu tradition, it's neti, 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 not this, not this, not this, not this. Just another way of saying as it is, as it is, as it is. It's just endeavoring to bring the, this ball of this turmoil of the individual mind, individual, the society, the culture, the country, the billions of people to, to bring it down to a simple situation where we can see the footsteps in front of us. Quite often we're living 50 feet away from our own life. We're totally missing our life because we're living in some artificial uh, life that we feel like we're condemned to, which is not your life. The life that we wish for, which is not your life. The life that we imagine we're having, which is not your life. If you're living your life, you will not know what it is. If you know what it is, this is confusion. As Nisargadatta Maharaj said before he passed away in 1981, one of the things that he said, among many other things, was, all knowledge is ignorance. Reflect on that. Rather than say, ah, oh, that's not true. Rather than jump to some kind of, uh, what do they call those, contusions? No, that's, that's conclusion. That's right. Don't conclude. Don't hang out anywhere. Don't land anywhere. Don't don't uh, don't fall anywhere. Don't flip over. Don't go backwards. Don't go forward. Don't do anything unless you have to. And then if you have to, do it with the, everything else that is in motion or in apparent motion and dance with that. You'll find that's uh, may show up as all depending on your particular karma may show up as all kinds of things arising that no one else is, is dealing with. Please don't discuss your practice with anyone unless you have to. Sangha is not here for you to chat with about your practice. It's not helpful. This is why, uh, one of the reasons they, besides just wanting to control people, this is why in monasteries and places like that, they have, ever have silent practice or noble silence and all that. It's, it's not trusting people to do what they need to do. And I have a lot to say about that, but you need to ask the questions so we can go in together, yes. Could you say what the Sangha is for? Yes, I can. Let's <laughs> say what the Sangha is for. The Sangha is uh, a, uh, is the society or the community of human beings who have an intent to be honest and truthful. And you're in a community that that kind of support is really powerful. Because So that, that way, when you start to go this way or go that way, even though the person next to you may have, be having their own difficulty with their life, they, will, they might be more clear about what you're doing and, they, and you may ask for some feedback. Who, who better to ask feedback from than somebody you've been sitting next to and meditating with for years? Not to mention your teacher. Yes. Could you say what the difference between asking for feedback would be and discussing your practice? Yeah, don't discuss your practice. What would um, the feedback be about? You, need, you needed to ask for feedback. You had to. You don't, don't discuss it. But if you're, if you're having trouble, it's kind of natural. You... You talk to somebody, you hear the way they discuss the Dharma, you hear the way they're leading their life, you hear what they're doing. You feel like, uh, we're not talking about gossip. We're talking about actually relating to someone or maybe bringing some of that up, but not your whole practice thing, situation, if you can keep that to yourself. Because we don't really want opinions. Opinions are silly. It's, it's, we have them, they kind of come and go, but don't do anything with the opinion, including getting rid of it. Don't be free of opinions. This is a, probably not going to happen. But to be aware that you have them, that like prejudice, to be aware you have uh, 
uh, they call them prejudices, or prejudiced. If you have that kind of, you know, kind of involuntary against, involuntarily for, and you, you can't really find a root for it, it probably has something to do with, with the karma that is uh, beginning to show up in this lifetime from possibly other lifetimes. And as I've said many times, I don't believe in any of that. I don't believe or disbelieve in lifetimes at all. But something's happening. We could use that temporarily until we see what it really is. It might be just this lifetime. This might be the only lifetime that manifests as apparent other lifetimes. Yes? If our Sangha members ask us for feedback, how what's the best way to give feedback? Well, say anything else you have to. So listen to them, receive what they're saying, and and one of the best things you could say to anybody to really, really help them, if it's genuine. Sometimes we avoid it, we don't want to, we don't feel like that's going to be helpful to say, I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm sure you've heard me say that sitting up here. And that's, uh, you know, sometimes we just don't know, but, but the, the I don't know, comradeship or the mutuality of two people practicing together, especially if they have the same teacher, they have a similar kind of, they're being taught in a similar way about the nature of their life, of the world, of the mind, of passion, aggression, ignorance, and so on and so forth. The Bodhisattva path, then uh, if you're doing that, then it's really good to uh, to get the help of others around you. You know, that can show up so many different ways. I hesitate to go into all the, I think you might be able to comment on that since you've lived here for five years and this is a monastery and you live with other people who are practicing. Be much easier to work with people in this context than in the context of, you know, a business situation or a job or something, or, or even a, even a, a community that has no no awareness practice, a, a, a community that's just operating out of concepts of right and wrong, good, uh, good and bad, uh, successful, not successful, helpful, not helpful. More. Uh, not yet. Yes. Uh, Tayo from up in uh, Traverse City has a question. Tayo. He asks, does the seventh consciousness show up in perception only? Yes. You can see what it's doing. You can see that you're, you're believing. You can see that in perception only there's a situation and then there's a perceiver and then you can see that there is a, uh, some kind of a, of a fear possibly rising in that area about something needs protecting. So yes, you begin to see your own, what should we call it? disease, dis-ease, or maybe we could call it paranoia, or we can see our own complete uh, involvement with who we are and what problems. Sometimes who we are shows up as all these problems we have. There isn't anyone to have problems. The emotion can come up and be devastating emotion, but if it can't find itself, and if it can't find a, an other, if it can't find any reference point, it can't, it can't last. It, Nothing lasts, but that will last even, will have less duration because it, it just can't find anything. And there's lots of other things that can find something, like how your butt feels on the cushion. That's there. It's happening. That's, that's just this. What is the seventh consciousness? Uh, just a way of talking about of the Yogacara uh, teaching of the eight consciousnesses, uh, starting with the, the first five sense deals and then the sixth, which is the basic uh, kind of generic thinking process, and then the, and then the uh, the seventh is that part of the awareness that actually is starting to think, starting to because of its power to be able to be aware and, and include things coming in, it starts to think there is an includer, and that you actually have doors and windows and everything, and you can seal this up and protect some kind of a person who is doing well, not doing well, 
that all also gets protected. And uh, there is a fear of, uh, of just being aware. Because if you're just aware, then you're then things get out of your control, and then you think there's someone because there's uh, because there's sense fields and sense organs and scent and nerve endings, and we can feel so much. We assume this must mean, excuse me, there is somebody. And we're not saying there isn't something happening. Of course, there is something happening. But the seventh, and then they break the seventh down. When I say they, the Yogacharans break it down into self-love, self-preoccupation. Self pride, uh, self, uh, I can't remember what that one is. I never can remember. Self reference. It just, they're just several words for the same thing. Just, just a preoccupa preoccupation with, with, a, with a, an identity that is uh, insubstantial and gets, it gets its power by accepting, rejecting, and denying things. So, accept this is really good for me. This is good. I'll do this. This is good. I won't do that, that's bad, I don't need that, I shouldn't do that. I don't care about that, I'm not gonna look at it. Especially, uh, we, we tend to do that, if, if we can't deliberately look away, then we distract, we'll find something else that we'll draw our attention in. And that's happening not only, in, it even happens in the animal realm. Uh, we all know that if, you, if you're around, most of us know, if you're around a, 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 a dog that is upset with you, don't look him in the eye, you know, look away. This is true. I took care of a lot of monkeys at one one point, baboons especially, but also uh, rhesus monkeys. If you look right at them, they start to get mad, and they will shake their cage and try to get out of there. They come and get you. But if you drop your gaze slightly, then uh, then you know. And if you won't drop your gaze, then some of them will actually look away and start looking on their hands and they'll look up at things and ignore you, pretty much like people. It's a thought for you. Yes. Um, early on, you had uh, said to spend time with the concept of perception only. Yes. Um, what does it look like to spend time with that? Very good. Thank you. I was going to go there, and you helped me do that. So uh, you're walking through your through your kitchen, through your dining room, down your hallway, walking out to the garage, you're coming back into the house, you're getting off the bus, you're getting out of your car. Anything you're doing, you can still do that, but just flash on the objects that are around you all of them at once. And then flash on the spaces between all the objects that allows the objects to appear discreetly. So it's just a flash. You don't have to stay there. Just touch and go. It's just you just touch on that perception and then go. But then immediately, maybe excuse me, maybe you know seconds later, you, you flash again. So it's flash and go, uh, just like flashing on colors, flashing on textures. Excuse me, flash on distance. That's a good one. Just look, you see the distance, you don't know what it is, but it's something you can, you're registering in your consciousness, the space between things, which is nothing. And it's a relative emptiness, but we have to understand the relative emptiness uh, before we can see that the relative fullness and the relative emptiness are not two. When that happens, all individuality, all personality vanishes and goes into, uh, excuse me, goes into uh, uh, not separate. Still there, still functioning, still reaching for the salt shakers. You have two salt shakers, right? One for your right hand, one for your left hand. Still reaching for things, still moving away. Still, you might be even more confident, or might appear more confident. You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily feel confident. Confidence is uh, something that ego likes to talk about. But you might find yourself just functioning, just like it's almost like you're dancing with everything, and you might even start dancing. 
I think I started dancing this morning. And I'm pretty old to be jumping around much, but sometimes I can't help it. I feel I feel like that, and I, I'm not a not particularly a, what you would call a good dancer, but I I, I understand something about that, and uh, it's a way of uh, celebrating that space. We celebrate. That's all. When someone dances, they're just celebrating that space. When someone sings, they're celebrating that. When some all of those things. When someone cooks, they're celebrating it. You can, if somebody likes to cook, it's pretty hard to get them away from that. Even if there's nobody to feed, you know, they just want to cook stuff. Yes. Um, I've never heard you talk about celebrating space. And something you've mentioned is when you sing for Uno's birthday, mm -hmm. there's still a great deal of embarrassment, yeah. self-consciousness around there. So in those areas of space that are particularly sensitive to us, yeah. how can we begin to explore or celebrate that space in the face of, yeah. I do not want to do no, this. Just do a little bit. I, I don't. I usually do everything, just like we were talking about this retreat. If we have interest in this, I would keep doing it. So uh, that's that's how this monastery got started. You know, we people started bumping into each other in the same building, and then people started sitting and looking at the wall, and I started saying stuff, and then suddenly, not suddenly, but gradually, everything starts to take shape, and you watch it happen. But it's it's not a there's no uh, like. A, my good friend, Hume, was sitting in the architect's office, and uh, we're talking about the Karma House next door, part of this whole uh, monastery grounds, or whatever you call it. They haven't named it yet, I guess. Uh, and he was saying, what are you going to do? And he's a business guy, you know, really practical, done a, lot, done a lot more successful than a lot of people. You know, what are you going to do with this? And, you know, it's not, it's not really a business. So, uh, and I'm not a businessman. I tried that for a number of years, and that was... Uh, not so workable from the business point of view. From other ways, it was fine, but um, it's I can't really go there with it. I, it's not like I'm trying not to. It's just that the way I see it, I, I just I don't know what we'll do. Uh, and uh, I can't remember what my response was, but it probably wasn't particularly satisfying. <laughs> but it, but but it was genuine. I mean, I his his uh, the question was genuine, and my response was genuine, uh, as far as I recall. And uh, so. Celebrating space is find the space, and then and then uh, relate to it in a in a way. And you know, and, and there's no, I can't particularly give you a, a way to do that. You would have to see it yourself, I think. But more questions about it, Will. Um, I'm thinking about what about when you're having a very difficult or negative interaction? Would that uh, be something that might come up? Celebrating space. Good. You could if you don't if you don't fight with it. You call it right or wrong. You do nothing. You take no position on it. Uh, just one, one of the ways that you celebrate space, and I, I is uh, by drumming your fingers or keep because you're a you're a drummer. So quite often, and I think we had an early talk years ago where I said, um, "Don't do that unless you're aware of it." Yeah, just be very intent. Yeah. If you're going to be very yeah. intentional for a duration, yeah, you're stop. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and you. As far as I've seen, you've done that. Occasionally, I'll see you start drumming on something and then I'll kind of look at you. <laughs> but you know, it's not about not about doing someone else doing it, everything the way Chazon's doing that or doing things the way I do this. It's like, I'm nothing like, uh, what I got from my teachers is basically said, you could be who you are. You could be genuine. That's what I got from them. So that is, I'm not a, I don't, I may occasionally sound like Trump or Mitchell, but I'm not the, 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 the 
a teacher and scholar. I didn't have the kind of training he has. So his presentation came out of lots of training. Coleman also different. This person is, this is about doing this for right around 30 years before I started talking about it. So I really, if you ask someone in the, that knew me in the 70s or uh, the 80s or something, I didn't set up and present myself as knowing anything about anything. A question from uh, Fleet Up in Traverse City. She, yes. she asks, if the seventh consciousness is evaluating and building up a sense of self, how does it continue when evaluating begins to fade? So it continues, but it's, uh, it's begin, it begins to be seen as unreal. Not a conclusion, just we start noticing all the holes in it. So we just, it's still there, but we just notice it's full of holes. Uh, Trump Rinpoche once uh, talked about uh, ego or self-centeredness. So the seventh consciousness is we, we, we take off our mask, and then we look at the mask, and then we look at the back of it, and it's just something with a bunch of holes in it. You know, it's a very, we just see that it's, you don't have to get rid of something that is unreal. So therefore, you can, you know, the ego, ego mind may come and may go, but you're able to help others who are struggling with ego because you no longer struggle with your, with your subconsciousness. Uh, you could say, if you use the image of, of a building that everything comes down from the alia or the store consciousness, the eighth consciousness through that, just to be very literal about it, through that into the other thinking process and the sixth sense, uh, uh, five sense fields and so on. And there's some kind of a resonance happening, uh, you know, communication happening back and forth. But the, that little, that little gate on the border there with guards protecting it to make sure nothing comes down that's evil or bad. Nothing comes. It's just, you know, I think it gets complicated and that image only goes so far. But where it's at, you could actually think about that part of your consciousness that agrees or disagrees or closes off. And as you bring your mind to that, you can also uh, practice uh, normalizing perception only. You can use the concept. What I'm perceiving is it, not the object. That I'm perceiving, but the perceiving. And what are you doing? You're perceiving the perception. I think I gave a talk on that a few months ago. Perceive the perception. See the see that this is a perception. If you do, there's a there's a flash. It, it'll happen just for a second, but then we'll try to cling to it. So we, we see it for a second. We see no separation just for a second or half a second because we, we have moved our consciousness from the perceiver and from what is being perceived into just the perception. David. In uh, normalizing um, perception, is there a pause or a rest, say, between notes in music? Kind of. You could use that. I mean, you could say, you could say it's like that. It's, it's spacious, but then there's the, the, the perception. So there's the object is, uh, it's not like the object is gone. It's not like the subject is gone, but they're unreal. And you could say, well, is the perception real? I don't know. Find out. What do you mean by real? Not that you asked the question. Real and unreal is another kind of a suspicious setup. What does the pause or the that space allow to happen? I'm just agreeing with you because I don't want to get in the way of the way you're doing this, but I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't use that. For, for, and I wouldn't say, but you're saying it, so I'm, I respect that, and that's something you're doing. You, you have some kind of a pause going on, There's something happening that you would call a pause. Uh, you could, you could, if I were to use that, then I would say, as you're going across the, the Zendo or your living room or your driveway or wherever, going into the 
the dude ranch, whatever you're going to, is your, you could just flash on just this. It's just, and do it with colors, textures, shapes, and especially with, uh, look at objects all at once. Pick up this, 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 and this. Collect them all together and look at them all at once. And then, then change to the space in which they, they show up. Just the space. And then go back to the objects. And see, and look at the difference between the space and the objects. And that's where perception only starts to happen when you realize there's no space, there's no objects. There's just reality, and it is not separate. And you see it, you get to see this before you die. If you were going to live forever, I'd say, well, just keep working on it for four or five hundred years, and things will probably clear up. But we could die any time, so uh, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored, difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now we must do something meaningful. Train your mind. That's meaningful. Yes. Tayo has a question. Um, yes. What do you mean by celebrating? Uh, well, uh, the example I was using is uh, you have space and you're, you're present and you dance. You have, uh, you have, uh, you listen to, um, you know, someone who like, uh, like Fleeta would be, it would be someone who probably could, probably could comment on this uh, quite a bit is uh, someone who writes or works with words. Uh, language is dancing with words. Sometimes uh, prose just isn't enough. There's, that's not, there's the spacious, the spacious. The spaciousness of prose is, uh, I can't say it's easier or harder, but sometimes that's not as interesting as the spaciousness between just the words. And then the spaciousness of the images themselves. One needs to bring, again, I use needs, um, uh, you know, with a, uh, without any particular emphasis on that, but uh, actually moving in there and so it's, it's dance-like because you're enjoying yourself uh, this isn't to say that some creator artists and creators that try to do this they're using that because they love to do it but then their own unexamined mind or psychology or their own they, they, they if they try to use the create creativity to escape that then some of that comes up and gets stuck to it so then we get some very difficult images you know of certain kinds of writing and so on or macabre certain kinds of painting or uh, terrifying. So sometimes if we have a lot of interior things going on, that tends to be the grist for our mill. Uh, so, uh, and it's not to correct that. It's just that you could actually just work with the words themselves. You could just work with the colors themselves. You could just work with your own footsteps. You could walk across the room. You could, you could see what is in front of you, and you can see that what is in front of you and what, what is behind you are not separate. Yes. Kozan from Traverse City has a question. Yes. She asks, what is perception only of thoughts and stories? The perception only is seeing, uh, is seeing uh, the space around the thoughts and around the stories. Actually, actually seeing it so clearly that you can see the thoughts uh, arise, you can see the shape of them, you can see their, their, their content, you can see their texture, you can see their, their vibration. Uh, I use lots of different uh, words that could be characterized as texture, um, uh, the way that the words resonate with each other, uh, the way this has happened to me over the years of being someone who writes. I'm not a poet, but I've done a fair amount of writing because I'm really interested in everything. So I've done a little bit of everything, trying to see what, what is this? What is, is there an opening into reality that's through one of these sense fields? So my, the, um, my uh, priority was uh, visual 
situation is trying to understand what is that. So I didn't get, I wasn't, uh, luckily, I'll look at it, say this now, I wasn't born with uh, much talent. I was just born with a, a desire to see what is true. So therefore, uh, one thing I found that was true is that I'm, I don't have much talent. So I painted a lot of crappy paintings. When I say crappy, I'm not saying they didn't have some value. They were valuable to me because they helped me understand. Yes. Did you raise your hand? I did. What is it that sees not separate? Just the perception. It's not a self. Consciousness doesn't belong anyway. Isn't it amazing? We look around and we see other people and we see their particular style, their tone of voice, their way of manifesting. Uh, and if you're fairly clear about who you are and you've, you've, you've done some work to make friends with yourself, so you're no longer creating your own crazy confusion, you're not denying it, but you're not fueling it. You're not doing anything with it. It's interesting how you can see more clearly uh, what's happening with others. And also, at the same time you see that, you see that you shouldn't interfere with them unless they ask you. Only they would know whether your help is going to be helpful. You're not going to know. And that includes the teaching person. I spend most of my time just listening, waiting for permission. Yes. Uh, Tayo again asks, is celebrating space the same as playing in space? Yes. Yeah, it's playful. But, but it, it can be, a, there are kinds of play that where you're not necessarily laughing your head off. You know, that you're, you're playing with something, you're playing with uh, sounds, or you're, you know, you're playing with the way sounds are together. Musicians and people in those areas are uh, doing, uh, writing, writers are working with word shapes and the way words look on the page and the way some uh, writers are really concerned with that. Others don't seem to be there more into the images that are, that are coming up and how those images work together. Pardon me. <clears throat> so yes, you would be uh, playful, but that might not necessarily show up as someone being not serious. Or, but, you know, but just kind of a, a soft reference where you're just kind of watching, you're enjoying what's happening. Don't have a strong agenda. A strong agenda about something, the, the self-centeredness starts to hear that happening and it wants to be in on it any self-centeredness, any pieces or shreds of that that you have not examined, uh, we'll, we'll hear that. Uh, you know, what are you going to do with all that space over there where those two bathrooms are? What are you going to do with that? You know, anything with it. And, and if someone were to say, well, what if it just sits empty? I said, yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> what if we lose it? What if it goes back to Fred and Patty? Well, it'll be a lot better than we got it from them. Yes, go ahead. Uh, Gary Huey up in Traverse City has a question. Yes, Gary Huey. He asks, I take this off. Go ahead. Is perception only ignoring your thoughts? Is that a form of ignorance? Ignoring your thoughts? Yeah, ignoring your thoughts, but perception, perception is, uh, is not ignoring anything. And if there is ignoring going on, some, some aspect of it, uh, that's, that's, that's part of perception. That you perceive that, you would see that. You don't miss much, but the difficult thing is because you, there's so much coming in. Uh, it's like uh, um, you know, it's like different colored pieces of confetti, and somebody and it comes in, and then somebody in the background says, "How many red ones were there?" It's kind of like beside the point. Confetti. Well, yeah, but you said something about what kind of colors. I mean, you can be if someone is aggressive about anything. You can you can make anything into a war, into a disagreement. It's, Please don't do that. You don't have to do that. Just enjoy yourself. And when I say that, I mean enjoy your confusion. I'm serious when I say this. Enjoy 
Enjoy that. My goodness, you're alive. You're a living being. You have a tremendous amount of karma behind you. This is your opportunity to be fully human with all of the Buddha said, life is suffering. He was not kidding. And he was not a pessimist. He was a awake. And so whatever is coming, whatever is being served up to you is exactly what you need to eat. Whatever, receive, just receive, just receive. Be generous. Give everything your attention. Whatever is moving this way, receive. Which doesn't mean reach out and grab. Because if you're receiving, then it may come right up your doorway. And because of the whole dynamic, all I wanted to see is if you were going to receive. And it, once it finds out that you are, you're ready, then it dissolves. Because it's unreal. Threats are unreal. You know, when I say that, it doesn't mean they're not going to happen. Can you restate um, the title of your talk and the steps to normalizing perception only? What? Well, the t t talk title is normalizing perception only. Yes, I can. And you said, I'm going to tell you how to do that. No, I didn't do it. Well, you did, but I need to hear it again. It won't be the same. I, I, okay, because did, did I talk about mice? No, not yet. I won't this time. <laughs> so, monkeys. Uh, so, seeing, taking any, take the sense of, of seeing, and you can, you can apply this to other areas, but the sense of seeing is uh, to normalize that, to get down to the very basic experience. What is fundamentally happening when we see? Just fundamental. Color, contrast. Lots of kind of contrast. The contrast, we so much take them for granted. This, this is how you take something for granted. This is how you... Don't take things for granted. That means you're shocked that, that there's something in space, that something could even be here. This is what the existentialists, uh, Sartre and uh, Kierkegaard and, uh, and Nietzsche and all these uh, early philosophers were running into was, what is this? What, fundamentally, what is this? And that's what you're bringing, you're, so you're becoming your own, you're, you're looking at what the Buddha looked at, basically. You're saying, what, what is this? Why, why is there suffering? You're suffering. He wasn't necessarily talking about the suffering in the world, even though that played into it, of course. But he was suffering. I, I, he would have to be suffering, or he couldn't have gone off into the, into the forest for six years and did all kinds of crazy things to try to get himself to wake up. So, distance between things, uh, colors of things, just registering something like that flower in the Tokonomo, red, the other one is pink. And, and without the name, before the name appears, just just the perception of redness uh, is close to perception only because it's 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 not not in the flower and it's not in the perceiver it's the perception there is no perceiver and there is from the point of view of these teachings there uh, sorry to tell you but there's no flower <laughs> all the Ikebana people will be disappointed you mean I'm working with space? <laughs> Shin Soi Hikai, heaven, earth, and man. Earth, heaven, man, or woe of man, yes. So when when you see, like the example you just gave of the flower, yes. and the thoughts arise, is that perception only? Too? Yes, N nothing extra though. So is it is it kind of like a state of no warfare? It's not a state. If it's a state, then there's going to be war. Whatever there's a state of enlightenment, a state of confusion, a state, state, the state will always find something to oppose it in some way. So I'm not saying it's all out blowing things up, but it's it's a, a resistance. So the 
resistance, and then there's the other kind, the propaganda, where we go the other direction, so do nothing. As it's been said, and I'm saying here, don't land anywhere, don't go anywhere. Falling apart, falling apart, falling apart, nothing to do. Yes. So are we always in perception only? Yes. That's why, that's why nothing happens. <laughs> Not supposed to let the cat out of the bag. But the cat doesn't want to be in the bag. Cats want to be able to go in the bag, and then come out, and then go back in the bag, and then come out, and then go. So anything else you want to know about cats? <laughs> no, but somebody else has a question. Yes. Uh, I think this is Anne Hughes, but I'm not sure. Uh, when one is particularly prone to strengthening the thinking process, how can this teaching of perception only help dissolve that a little? Good question. Uh, I, I think that it is watching the thought to actually bring, when you're, when you're doing sitting meditation, do not try to be a non-thinker. Do not try to stop your thoughts. Uh, don't necessarily embellish them or stir them up, fuel them, but just observe. Use the body. Hold the body very still and notice over time, you'll notice that you can't really hold the body still. It's something that's always rumbling around somewhere. But there's enough stillness here that it helps, but through contrast, see the thought patterns come and go and come and go. Thought patterns are um, are actually, uh, their fundamental nature is impersonal because there isn't anyone, a separate person. And so therefore, the more you look at them and if you push on them, they start to, they start to have faces and, and activity and they have weapons or they have flowers or they, or they have beige paint with them. You know, there's always some kind of a position happening there with thoughts. So back up a quarter of an inch, an eighth of an inch, three millimeters, hold still, just observe. And watch the way things come and go and come and go and come and go until uh, and after there is a, uh, what we call a breakthrough or just, just another, then perception only just becomes the case. It's been normalized. You just, every, everywhere you, every time you go anywhere, you're, you're looking at the complete radiance of everything, the way everything is showing up. The way sounds are coming and going. This, the, when you hear a cardinal out in the trees, notice the space between the sounds. And you could say, just notice those gaps. And notice the gap uh, in your thought patterns. When you hear that sound, notice what happens to the thoughts that you were, you were involved in. They, they immediately fall away. You don't have to let go of them. They just go to that sound. Because the cardinal uh, does not know about time and space. So it's dancing. And when, you, when we hear something dance, it's what art is about. When we hear something that's dancing, everything drops away. So we enjoy reading uh, poetry. We enjoy listening to music. We enjoy eating good food. We enjoy wearing uh, nice clothes. We can actually enjoy all that without there being warfare involved. Or without running into a mountaintop and closing ourselves in a, in a uh, white box. Yes, sent you. You mentioned earlier to enjoy our confusion. Mm -hmm. When our confusion is really painful, how can we enjoy it? So maybe the, the maybe the word enjoy might turn into something like appreciate, which means to appreciate what it is. Appreciate that it's painful. Uh, allow the pain to be there because if you try to turn away from it or fight with it, it, it gets more and more. It just creates more tension. 
So insofar as you can, relax into it. And if that if that's too painful, then back out a little bit and then go back into it again. Just don't give up. Continue to return to that space where you're just okay. Thank you very much. You have no complaints whatsoever. It's that kind of an attitude. In the midst of the confusion, you're saying that because you want to uh, you want to be genuine and you want to understand fundamentally what this is. What does it mean to be a human being? We don't know how we got here. We don't know what we were a hundred years ago, what was going on a hundred years ago with this apparent con consciousness and, and idea and identity that we're so uh, enamored of and we and that it's suffering or having difficulty. So just let it hurt when I say that. I don't know how else to say it without misleading you into something else that it's not exactly letting it hurt because you can't really do that. We noticed you can't really let it hurt. Because if we looked at, if we could actually do that, then we there'd be some kind of a payoff. Like, right? She let it hurt. <laughs> Back off for a while. Pretty hard to enjoy being at the dentist. So we're not trying to get rid of that. We're just saying we have nerve endings. So you at the risk of being uh, uh, dismissive to what you're talking about. It's like you have nerve endings. Don't miss your life. Don't, don't miss the actual suffering that's coming up uh, as if that's something that shouldn't be here. That's, that's what we tend to do. We tend to get kind of philosophical about our difficulty. Well, this shouldn't be happening. Well, why is this happening? Who caused this? Trying to find blame. Not that there isn't blame, or there isn't a cause, but there's no first cause for anything. Like, who's responsible for you being here? For any of us being here, we could, you know, mom and dad, and then their mom and dad, and then their mom and dad. I'll put it very simply, but then there's such a, a vast uh, and complicated uh, array of causes and conditions and apparent objects and apparent gaps and apparent and apparent and apparent that actually it's seen clearly as justice, not separate. Just don't give up. Thank you for the question. Any further questions? Okay. Anyone? Yes. How do we, along those same kind of lines, yeah. how do we celebrate death? So death as a concept is, is you know, to, to everything comes to an end. So we can start with the philosophy of it. Yeah, everything ends. Everything's impermanent. And so who we actually are, there's the body comes to an end. Of course, that's going to, we're talking about that kind of an end. And we tend to, because we're so used to this being a human being and walking around and having our way and... Uh, having our car keys and you know, trying to get a cup of coffee. You know, not to be simplistic about it, but we're, we're, we get so used to that that if it comes up where we see when people die, they cremate them, they bury them, it's like their bodies, but, but who you are, uh, it's, you know, it's probably not going to come to an end in that, in the kind of way you might be fearful of. So, put simply, uh, take it away from the human a human being dying part of it, and just if things come to an end, anything starts, uh, comes to an end. Anything that starts up comes to an end. Countries start and come to an end. You know, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, those kinds of huge things that at the time probably they're never going to come to an end. Just like we have people in power right now that they're so enamored of their power for 20 minutes, 20 years, or whatever it is that they, they can't see the vast open dimension in which uh, this whole this whole situation of beingness of human beings, not only human beings, but all kinds of different realms are showing up. It's just this is a small part of small part of reality, and so uh, the celebration part isn't so much as saying yay, 
and you know, having what are those things you spin that make a racket? And then I'm not talking about that kind of celebration. I'm talking about the kind of celebration where you're where you just relax into what is. And in, in, uh, Atisha Seven Points of Mind Training, it talks about uh, relative. Uh, um, I don't know if it's relative or absolute bodhicitta, but it's a bodhicitta that is that is change your attitude and relax as it is. So change, so what we're saying is that's what in a sense I'm saying that I'm saying just just if you're grasping and rejecting and fighting anything, just just be here. Just use the body. Don't forget gravity. Just be here and relax. Worst worst thing that can happen is you'll have a whole lot of suffering and you'll die. <laughs> oh, of course, that's what this is. But that doesn't mean there is no there isn't a lot of uh, of joy in it. And there's especially a lot of joy if you realize who you are. If you don't realize who you are, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be bumpy and lumpy, especially if you're someone who's covering it up. And anyone who's in this room or listening to this uh, old man speak is probably doing their best not to cover up uh, the reality that is real and that is right under their feet. Realize who you are. If you do, you, you've actually you'll actually transcend Buddhism. You may you may never do another form. You may never open your mouth about this to anyone. You may go off and build build canoes in uh, Ontario. You may you may run for public office. You may stay home. You may do you may do anything. But the whole thing has become relaxed, and then you're doing what's totally appropriate. I never thought I'd be doing this. This is it's like this. What are we doing in that building over there? That's like asking me 30 years ago. So how long do you think it will be before you be teaching? I'm not teaching this. You know, I, I, you know, I can teach you how to meditate, but I'm not teaching what this all means. That's never going to happen. It's choiceless. You can't. It's choiceless. So especially, especially choiceless. It's choiceless if you if you're involved in all of your karma and you're fighting and everything. That's choiceless that you're going to be at the at odds with your karma and you're you're going to lose somehow, some way, or gain and then later on lose. But if you if you do as little as possible and you just endeavor to be with this moment, moment by moment, color by color, shape by shape, size by size, tone by tone, taste by taste, just perception only. Just normalize that so that so that your your walk from here to the parking lot or whatever is not just full of a flood of thoughts. Don't get rid of them, but actually include include colors of things, a shape, a sound of footsteps. And you'll find that they're always here. It's always the present moment. There is no past and future. This is this is propaganda about about consciousnesses that are congealing into a solid self, little tiny mini hidden dictators who want to control everybody. There are people trying to control me. Not too many, but some. And people probably try to control you. You should look and see how much I try to control you. Or go to a movie. So we're having another talk at uh, three o'clock. Three o'clock. So I'll be back here uh, in three hours, and I'll give another talk. And I don't know what it'll be about, but I'll, I'll put a title out there probably before sometime before the talk. Something will show up. Probably more, more. Uh, what do I call this? Rationalization. <laughs> <laughs> normalizing, normal, normalizing disaster. <laughs> yes.